Hey guys, Clay Edwards here. I want to tell you real quick about RC Lawn Care. My buddy Richard Coley is going to be the guy you need to contact for all of your lawn maintenance needs. You can reach him at 601-502-3529. They offer roof-to-curb service, blowing off the roof, gutter cleaning, basic lawn care, including mow, trim, edge, and blow, full lawn cleanup, trash removal, garden supplies delivered, pine straw installs, driveway, and sidewalk pressure washing. If grass is growing, you need RC Lawn Care mowing. Again, 601-502-3529. Richard Coley at RC Lawn Care. Proud sponsor of the Clay Edwards Show podcast. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. This segment is going to be brought to you by our friends over at Watkins Construction and Roofing, your hometown roof repair specialist. Uh, It's a locally owned business. But they got nationwide resources with their connections at these insurance companies, their their ability in these not insurance companies. I apologize with these uh, suppliers, these suppliers. I'm telling you, man, they get it done at Watkins Construction and Roofing. Uh, they'll come out, give them a call if you think you got some roof damage. Storm comes through, you have an aging roof, whatever the case may be. They're going to come out, and complimentary means free. That's where I come from. Where I come from, it means free. And uh, they're going to come out, they're going to do a complimentary roof assessment. They're going to let you know if you need a whole roof or you just got a, a few repairs that need to be made. They're not They're not going to try to upsell you something you don't need, and uh, that means a lot. And they've also got some state-of-the-art equipment that they come and they bring on site to help keep your property clean and to do the least amount of damage to your property as possible. I mean, at the end of the day, it is heavy equipment. But, um, and one of the things that I've heard and I've seen living in my neighborhoods over the years, you know, you get these roofing companies, fly by night roofing companies will come in. And man, it's so unprofessional. They, they got a half dozen cars parked up and down your street, in your yard. They got rap music or heck, inappropriate rock music, whatever, mm-hmm. bumping to, up to the 10th power. You know, turn it up to 11 like we're at a nightclub. You know, just not giving any courtesy to the neighbors. I can assure you, you're not going to have that problem with Watkins Construction and Roofing. As a matter of fact, I see here on their Facebook page now, they're, uh, they got a competition going in uh, the Nextdoor app, which I do not use. I've got enough social media. Yeah. You know, like the Nextdoor app, I'm like Super Karens. I'm going to let y'all keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let y'all keep the Nextdoor app. But uh, look, I know Nextdoor is great for finding out people to, to do work and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Now, Watkins is competing as a for a neighborhood fave in there. I guess that's the kind of competition they do for local businesses. Yeah. But, look, man, check them out. They're gonna, again, they're going to come out, they'll do a complimentary assessment. They're going to work with your insurance company. You're not going to have to do any of that stuff. Uh, and, again, locally owned, locally operated. And I go back to this thing, too, all the time, Therese. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you and I move around in a lot of the same circles. We go to a lot of these law enforcement benefits sure. and fundraisers and all this, that, and the other. You know who's always at every one of these things? Watkins, Watkins. Construction and yeah. Roofing. Is at every one of these giving out something, doing something, being supportive, sponsoring that stuff. And I like to know that when I spend money with a business, that that's how they reinvest that. Oh, yeah. You know, they'll come out. They had this huge grill that can probably cook a thousand hamburgers in one time. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm exaggerating. It's a monster. Yeah. They'll come out. They cook for, for law enforcement. They do all this great stuff for fundraisers and charities and all that stuff. They're heavily involved in the Real Men Wear Pink mm-hmm. uh, thing every year. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, I'm trying to get somebody to renominate me for that. Uh, I dropped the ball a couple of years ago, and I'd like a, I'd like a redo. Uh, side note, 
Yeah. But uh, anyway, check them out. WatkinsConstructionInc.com. All right. Uh, shout out to uh, shout out to all the the guys that are actually on the roofs too. Yeah, absolutely. The 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 the, the roof, it's hot. The, it's getting hot. The Clay Edwards Show listeners. I'm gonna tell you what, man. I'm I'm gonna buy y'all some beer one Friday. I'm gonna buy y'all some beer one Friday. It ain't gonna be Bud Light, but I'll buy y'all some beer right. one Friday. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. We're gonna we're gonna ride that we're gonna ride that one down to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> uh, all right, Tress. Um, yes. Let's jump into the Anthony Fox stuff. Let's give, do it. Give people a a, a synopsis of what happened and then we can break down what went wrong sure so it's hard to do this chronologically because there are so many facts um this case has so many facts y'all and it makes it a long story to tell so i'm just going to break it down as as short as i can where can they find because they just go to dark horse and find it in chronological if you go to darkhorsepressnow.com and up in the top is the little search bar type in anthony fox and it's going to bring up every story we've done about him um I was the only media in the courtroom through that whole entire two weeks of the trial. Um, so the the problem that I see a lot is people have no idea what happened. And what they know of is the incident that allegedly occurred and then the verdict. So I just need to remind you guys, there is a whole lot that happens between an incident and a verdict. And I think this was sadly a, a big reminder for those of us that work around criminal justice because you tend to be like, did he get convicted? OK, then he's guilty. Um, and well, one of the big things that happened between the incident and the verdict was the George Floyd situation. Sure, yeah. And that 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 mentally that became the prosecution's thing of you know we have these killer cops on the loose kill, right. killing folks, and you know that public sentiment was in the favor of I'll just say it the criminal at this point. Well, at least the the favor of you know some of the legal system. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was um, in twenty. 18 or 19, um, three of Jackson's frontline officers, um, three that I had ridden with when I was riding with the gun team. So this is how I'm connected to them. And I feel like I need to give that disclaimer up front because somebody's going to think they dug it up and that they're proud. But so long story short, these guys um, were out looking for the killer of Pastor Anthony Longineau. Um, that happened early one Sunday morning when he was opening his church. Some kids came up on him, took his truck and killed him. Um, so I vividly remember that. Yes, yes. And um, and so the SWAT officers got pages to come out. And, and Anthony, of course, was at church and leaves church to go out here with these um, these other SWAT guys. So they're canvassing the neighborhood. That process is you basically drive into the neighborhood. You go knock on doors. You talk to people you see standing out there, that kind of thing. And as they're doing this, these guys who are also narcotics officers witness what they believe to be a drug deal between a man named George Robinson who's sitting in a car and then a woman um, who we've never heard from. Honestly, like she probably should have been on the witness stand somewhere, but we never heard from her. Um, Anyway, so they walk over to the car. George Robinson sticks his hand down into the console. Well, if you think like a cop or if you know how cops think, you know that that is threatening because what is he reaching for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, you know, they start saying, show us your hand, show us your hand, show us your hands. He won't. So they, Fox opens the door. And he's, like, trying to kind of pull him out of the car. At this point, um, Officer Lincoln Lampley comes in and gets him under the the left arm, I believe. And so they pull him out. Now, during this time, the way it was described by all the police is basically they have him, like, one arm under each of his arms. Um, And that they are trying to maintain him on his feet, but he has picked his feet up off the ground and is trying to go to the ground. He's got something in his hand that he's trying to get to his mouth. 
um, and his hands are together in front of his body. So he eventually does drag them to the ground. Not drag them. I mean, they're both big guys, but like eventually momentum they do. Momentum takes them yeah, to the ground. Yeah, they go to the ground. But even when you say momentum, it was more of like his dead weight, you know. So they go to the ground, and he's still trying to get this whatever it is in his mouth. And he scrapes his head on the, the pavement during this. He turned his head and tried to put this stuff in his mouth and, and scraped his head. As his head was already on the ground. Yeah, his head's already, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, so he leaves there after the they call the ambulance. Um, he refuses medical treatment. Now, if I refuse medical treatment, that means I do not want to be medically treated or looked at or whatever. But they talk him into it because... As a police officer, it's their job to make sure he's okay. He's going to be field released anyway. They've got him on, you know, drug possession charges and that kind of thing, I believe. Um, Resisting arrest, of course, probably. They could have charged it if they didn't. And I just don't remember because it's been so long. Anyway, so after they talk him into letting the medics put a square of gauze on his forehead, and it was one of those little, I want to say, two by two, no, maybe four by four, but anyway, folded up. You know, folded into a little square is probably an inch by an inch, and they put it on his forehead and they send him away. So he goes to the Mustang Motel, where he's there for two or three hours. People coming in and out of his hotel room for a while. And let me say, that's the one on Highway 80 at Ellis. There is one of those rent by the hour. Yep. Uh, just a lot of prostitution, a lot of drugs, a lot of a lot of problems there. I believe a clerk got killed there a couple of years ago. Sure. Hotel attendant, if I'm, my memory serves me. I know that I've worked homicides there. I don't remember specifics, yeah. but. So. Just, but, just to paint the picture of what the Mustang is. Right, right. So they have this surveillance video. You can see these people coming in and out. His girlfriend is there. Um, as the narrative goes that they gave in court, and when I talk about court, like there were whole chunks of things that were never even allowed into evidence because when the defense would try to offer it, the prosecution would um, object and the judge would sustain um, and, and so anyway, in this time, basically the girlfriend, the, the narrative in court is that she went to go get, um, headache medicine for him. And when she came back, he's having a seizure and, and that kind of thing. Um, but we don't know what happened in that hotel room in the meantime. We don't know what he swallowed exactly, but the autopsy or, you know, medical reports after the fact showed that he had cocaine in his system. The other thing we learn is that he is on Plavix, which is a blood thinner that, I mean, you bruise like that when you're on Plavix. So long story short, he gets sick. He goes to the hospital. He dies. And at this point, it kind of is just a routine investigation because he died after being in police custody. The FBI clears him. IA, Internal Affairs, clears him. Um, You know, across the board, he is cleared by all the the routine steps. And then um, Judge um, Carlton Reeves, federal judge Carlton Reeves, issues an um, opinion that he is covered, or that these three are covered by qualified immunity. At this point, they're all indicted, you know, so he... He has to say they're covered by qualified immunity. Um, the FBI has... Which means... Which means uh, there are certain things that when an officer... If something terribly wrong happens while an officer is in the commission of his duty, um, he is in some ways immune. And, and that said, it depends. Like, what's the intent? That There are going to be qualifiers. But in this case, that was what the judge was ruling on. Yes, everything is in place here for them to have qualified immunity. And he even said in his opinion, I don't like qualified immunity. But under the law, yes, they have it. Um, Fast forward. 
So they arrest all three of them, you know, because they've been indicted. Two of them go to Judge Faye Peterson's courtroom. All of them were actually assigned there first. And then somehow Anthony Fox was singled out of those three and moved over to Adrian Wooten's courtroom. Now, Judge Peterson later on issued some kind of a it's in the court documents where she said that severance of the three of them for trial was actually illegal. Um, The defense is supposed to request one of those and they did not. And still somehow it happened. Um, the other two get a hundred thousand dollar bond from Judge Peterson. Fox gets two hundred fifty thousand from Wooten. Um, anyway, there were several pieces of that. Like I said, there's a lot of details here, and I'm trying to skim. Um, anyway, finally he goes to trial. Um, when I tell you, and 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 I want you to think about in my career, I started at age fifteen. I am now in my mid forties, and in my entire career, I've been in dozens, hundreds, maybe of courtrooms. And um, my dad is a prosecutor, so my favorite thing to do is watch the prosecution because I always think, ooh, my dad would have been better or, you know, whatever. That guy's awesome like my dad, whatever. So when I tell you that this was the most unfair trial I've ever sat in, and it is not because Anthony Fox is my friend. It is because you never heard the entire word cocaine. I mean, maybe a couple of times like when the doctor was talking and they would say, So can you tell if there was cocaine in somebody's system? And then all of a sudden, objection, sustained. You know, and and the fact is there were several things at play here. Yes, there was heavy bleeding in his head. But what it turned out is the only real bleeding caused by this situation was directly under where that scratch was. Remember the Plavix. And so that bump from the scratch did cause some bleeding under his head. However, they were pointing to a large puddle of blood like in his skull, which the doctor's and four doctors testified, were able to say, that's what happens when you cut a skull open. That's what happens when you have to, like, vent somebody's brain because the, the bleeding is going on. Um, and and I'm, I may be getting some of these terms wrong, so don't hold it against me if there's medical stuff that I say wrong because sure. I'm not a doctor. Um, but anyway, so we go through all this with the doctors, and they all testify that there was no other, no other bruising on George Robinson's body. But the indictment against these three men said they beat, kicked, punched, and slammed him to death. But all these doctors are like, there is absolutely no evidence that that is what happened. So, um, long story short, it's like you you look at these facts, and in all this, the prosecution, I kept accidentally calling them the defense— Because it almost feels like, and I've seen this with Jody Owens people a couple of times because he is a defense attorney. And and you see this a lot of times with new prosecutors, but they are trying to prove reasonable doubt that he did it, which actually the way it works is they're, they've got the burden of proof. They have to prove without a doubt that he did it. And it's the defense's, you know, reasoning that Mm -hmm. they have to prove, or they have to just throw in reasonable doubt. Well, the fact is, what you saw in this trial is the defense proving over and over again that that George Robinson did not die by any action of Anthony Fox's hand. However, when the jury instructions came out, the judge looks at that jury, and on top of a lot of other jury instructions I I was uncomfortable with. Um, Not, again, not because Fox is my friend, but because if you believe in justice like I do, if you believe in right and wrong like I do, some of them felt very wrong. And one of the things that she said, so it may not be if you look up the jury instructions, it may not be in the list they handed the jury. But one thing she said is, if you believe that this man would not be dead had he not run across the police this day, you must convict. Mm. 
And this is the judge. This is the judge that says this. Um, the other thing, she at some point um, said something to the effect of, you must convict or acquit. So basically, she's telling them, you can't have a hung jury. And then, and this is something I have never seen after a complicated trial like this, much less two weeks long. Um, and I've been in a couple of them. They go in sometime mid-morning to deliberate. When they come back out, it's like 5, 5.30, and they have not come back to the courtroom for questions at all. Now, usually, I would say the, court, the, the cases that I've been in, they average like three to five questions. And basically, when you have these many details, as much as, as, as we had doctors talk, we had two witnesses, one of which, and see if you think this is weird, the one of these guys that, that you know, spoke against Anthony and told this story that didn't match the facts that the, the doctors could show and the other officers were talking about was somebody that Anthony himself had arrested and, you know, was awaiting, I guess, I don't know if he was awaiting trial, but the fact is Fox had arrested this man on drug charges, and yet he was allowed to testify against him in court. Um, there was another witness that had a grainy video, and all you could see was blue lights, you know, um, and, and basically... At some point, and, and I don't know all that he said, she said. When you talk to people close to the case, there is anecdotal evidence that it was said multiple times from the prosecutor's office that they didn't have a case, that these witnesses were not credible, that kind of thing. I will not put my name behind. I mean, I, I said it. I, I recognize I just passed that rumor along, and I, you know, I have mixed feelings about that. But the fact is there are so many things at play here that the public doesn't know because at this point, it's not on the record. And and I can't and you can't go report like, well, so-and-so said that it might be this. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason it's not out there. Nobody's hiding anything, at least on our side, on the media side. But that's another piece that we need to talk about is that the media um, still, even though he was, I mean, in, in my opinion, wrongfully convicted, it's it's just dropped. There's an innocent man sitting in prison right now, um, and you can follow the trail of things that were shady. Well, tell, before we go to the break, tell him real quick why he it is it is it is very abnormal to not be allowed bond while you're on an appeal bond. Right. I mean, that's like there's people out here uh, charged with, or convicted of first degree murder that are out on. Appeal bond out on bond while they're appealing their right. their verdict, but for some reason a uh, a manslaughter right. conviction doesn't qualify for an appeal bond. Right, that, that's very strange and abnormal. Manslaughter, especially in a city, especially in Hines County. Right, manslaughter that was proven wrong in court and um, by an officer who was highly decorated. Like I said, seventy more than seventy awards in nine years. Yep. And like that included top cop for the state, yep. you know, and, you and the, the Eric Smith Award. Is it? Eric yeah. Smith? And the Eric Smith Award, which is a big deal if you know who Eric Smith is, too. All right, let's take our break. Come back. We're going to pick up, pick it up on the other side of this story and tell you all a few of the things that make you go. Hmm. We'll be right back on the Clay Edwards show with Therese April. Breaking rules when necessary. Welcome back in to. The Clay Edwards Show. Real quick before we pick back up uh, on our Anthony Fox story here. Let's see what the special of the day is out at Guns and Gear. All right, they have not updated it <clears throat> this week. They were closed for Memorial Day. But uh, it looks like they've still got some of those Mother's Day specials going on, man. The Rock Island 22 bolt action. 
uh, rifle with 500 rounds of 22 ammo mm-hmm. for only 189.99 if you're paying cash. So you got a rifle and 500 rounds of ammo for 189.99. Right. No, that's incredible. I mean, do I have to say any more? No. I mean, get get over <laughs> get over to Guns and Gear and load up. I mean, what a great gift for somebody. Yeah. You know, I mean, hey, I've taken my friends out for their birthdays and spent way more than $200 on on, on drinks that we can't get back. You know, imagine, you know, giving somebody that as a birthday present or yourself as a birthday present. Right. I mean, right. Buy, buy it now, give it to somebody for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, think ahead a little bit. Uh, get out there to Guns and Gear on Highway 51 North in Gluckstadt. Shop them online, gunsandgearms.com. And uh, let them know you heard it on the Clay Edwards Show. All right. Uh, also, home of no limit ammo. Right. You know, that's a big deal there. When everybody else is limiting what you can buy. Right. Only 10 boxes, two boxes, whatever. If you if you can buy it all, they'll sell it all to you. Right. You know? Well, and, and the other thing is, too, like if you're like me and you want to know the people that you're dealing with, um, Guns and Gear is a great spot to go. Just simply because when you go in there, if you don't know them already, you will by the time you leave. And they're absolutely going to watch out for your best interest because they want you to come back. They want you to, you know, they want to be... I always call it business friends. Like, they want you to be friends with their business. They want you to appreciate what they do. And so, therefore, you're going to get better customer service than you will in a lot of places that just see you as a customer. Absolutely. Uh, get out there. I've picked up three guns from them here recently. Two. Mm-hmm. Two guns here recently. And um, uh, one buddy of mine, or not a buddy, is a listener who's turned into a buddy, went out there and bought four or five of the same guns. Yeah. So, something like that. Bought them as gifts. And sure. And then they had the special on the 9 millimeters for, I think, 229 mm-hmm. and uh, the Taurus 9s. And, man, that was a huge success for those guys. All right, Therese. Yes. Uh, so a little clarification on the appeal bond thing. Uh, Sean text in. And he was a ADA. Yeah. And so he says, actually, it's very rare to get an appeal bond. Okay. So I just cl- let me clean that up. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> I thought that people got allowed, got a, got a, were allowed to post bond during their appeal. What I was thinking was between the conviction, I mean, between the uh, indictment and the sure and the trial, and yeah, the trial. So my bad there, but uh, that still doesn't mean there ain't some funky stuff going on and you know i'm i'm weary of saying some stuff because of potential lawsuits and this that and the other sure. but you know th- there's some there's some people tied to this case who are also do- uh, donors mm-hmm. to the judge right through her fundraisers right stuff like that well i'll just say hell just the, the he's the the um attorney for the civil case yeah the attorney on. for the civil case was it dennis sweet mm-hmm. yeah i guess i'm just gonna say it uh it is is connected to Wooten. There were a fundraiser here. Recently. He threw a fundraiser in her neighborhood shortly after the verdict. Yes. For her. Yeah. You know, so, man, it's, it, I'm not saying it's illegal. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying it stinks. Yeah, and, and that's the problem that you have is, and, and for me, if this is what's going on, the absolute audacity of it, in addition to the unethical, like you said, stink of it, um, it, it's almost as though what we're seeing happen is it's not almost as though it is. Um, they are using this innocent man to further their political goals. And, um, at one point, you know, I was talking to somebody and I don't know that she would want her name drug into this like this, but, 
um, we were talking about what we would call the book or the movie when the time comes. And we kind of came up with, and, and it's controversial, so forgive me, but we talked about calling it the political lynching of Anthony Fox. Yeah. Um, because what, what we're seeing here is, yes, there are so many connections um, between some of the players in this, but also situations that are not supposed to happen. You know, you've got how, how are they going to sever a case in the circuit clerk's office that has not been requested to be severed? Um, by the defense, um, how are they going to take it from you know Faye Peterson's courtroom? Faye Peterson was a prosecutor; she knows the law, and I'm not going to impugn um, Adrian Wooten's knowledge of the law. But I saw things in there that even I knew were not right. Mm-hmm. Um, another full disclosure: she confronted me in the courtroom, called called me to the attorneys, not a real um, reporter, and she asked me who gave me permission to be in her courtroom. And the fact is, the free press has the right to be in any courtroom. And she said that I was supposed to have um, an, uh, basically a permission form. It was a television permission form for cameras that she showed me. I've been doing this, actually, when it comes to being in the courtroom. I don't know how long she's been an attorney. But as far as her being a judge, I've been in courtrooms a lot longer than that. Now, I don't know anything about her her background as an attorney, so I'm not going to. But the fact is, she brought me up there and berated me in front of the courtroom. Um for simply being media covering it. And to me, that says hush. And the fact that they put gag orders on the family for what they could and couldn't post during the trial, that says hush. Because you know what? One thing we are guaranteed under the Constitution that that very courtroom is supposed to uphold is freedom of speech. So you throw that on there on top of the fact. I find it very strange that the family members were told to gag or what? Right. Do you think this, this man's wife and mother are not going to have feelings that they want to put on Facebook. We would allow it if it was not a police officer, wouldn't we? Trying to control the narrative. Right. And so you see those kind of things. And and the fact is, yes, there are things off the record we can't tell you. And there are things off the record that you couldn't necessarily prove in court yet. But when you have a bunch of puzzle pieces, you sit there together. I mean, sit there long enough and you're going to put together that puzzle. And you're going to see the picture of what it is. And we've got a lot of them in place right now to say that something went wrong yeah and they're they they can't sue federally on this and the 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 cap is five hundred thousand dollars on on state yeah correct so you basically this is clay's opinion you basically have a man being held hostage mm-hmm. till they can get the insurance company to pay out on five hundred thousand dollars man i mean how much the, i don't even know what family member of george robinson would would get the money don't care uh it doesn't seem like enough money for this particular law firm to go through the efforts that it's taken. But if that's not it, then what is it? Because this this isn't clearly Anthony Foster not killed this man, right? I mean, and the and the the, the science, <laughs> the data backs that up through the professional testimony, right? Of what three different medical professionals? Um, four if you include well, four if you include um the state crime lab, yeah. And five, if you include the first guy that looked at the body at the state crime lab who basically started the autopsy, did yeah. not finish it, and left the state and wouldn't come back. And then the FBI cleared him. Mm-hmm. Clinton police did an intense, because keep yeah, in mind, they after, did their own investigation. after this, all three guys were hired by Clinton PD. Mm-hmm. And 
they did their own intense investigation. I mean, a true vetting of this and came to the conclusion that they were comfortable hiring them. Let me tell you something about those guys at Clinton Police, too. They don't play. This wouldn't just be a political move for them to hire these guys. It was, we see good officers. We've proven that we believe that they, you know, are innocent of these charges. Therefore, we will hire them, like, with no problem. Um, And and that's, that's one thing that I think stands on its own when you talk about this stuff. And, you know, just if, if you, for y'all that don't know, Anthony Fox is a black man. Mm-hmm. All the defense folks, I'm uh, not defense, I'm sorry, I, I keep doing it. Prosecution. The prosecutors, black as well. I don't know about all the ADAs. Um, but Yeah, one of the ADAs was not. Yeah, I, was like, I don't know about all the ADAs, but Jody Owens, yeah, black. Wooten, black. Black. You know, if any of those parties had been white, I told Anthony Fox's family this to their face the other day. I said... It would have been a damn uprising in the community of a black man being lynched mm-hmm. by a white prosecution. Well, but you run across to the fact that he's a cop. Yeah. And that that throws a political, you know, kink in it as well. But the other thing that that I think is important to note is that Anthony Fox was probably one of the best narcotics officers to ever come through Jackson. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because he was respected on the streets and in the courtroom and, you know, in the break room and across the board. He treated everybody um, in a way that, that showed respect to them, yeah. um, even when they may not have totally respected him. Yeah, but look, and make no mistake, this administration is very friendly towards drug dealers. Right. I mean, I think that's the best way I can say it. Uh, very friendly towards drug dealers i've heard so many stories from officers in jackson about pulling people over and them calling a certain elected official and then being able to drive right off from the scene well and that's the thing that when you notice that during this same time there were several other cases brought against jackson police officers and they were all in that same group of front lines guys that were absolutely you know dealing with the drugs on the streets daily um my thought is they saw everything yeah. And and not only that, but Anthony Fox worked some very high-profile, very important drug cases. And there were some that I know of that never went anywhere because he was called off them. All right, let's take a break. Come back, land the plane for the day with Therese Saple on 103.9 WYAB. Breaking rules when necessary. I think that's what we did today, Therese. We broke some rules <laughs> and we got the word out there. And look, I don't want to. I want to say something. Uh, you know, it's it's no coincidence. That Jody Owens, Hines County DA, is also was also funded and backed by George Soros, yeah, who one hundred percent supports soft on crime, hard on cops policies, right. and every DA in the country that he's backed is in a Democrat infested hellhole similar to Jackson, Mississippi, that would rather punish cops than criminals. Well, and the other thing is too, and I'm going to just say this because I believe there were people that were involved in the prosecution who were only doing their job. Um, and I I would believe that at this time, those people are probably having great um, guilt about this. And it, when I say involved with the prosecution, it could be on any level. Yeah. You could be an investigator. You could be a prosecutor. You could be a secretary in the front office that heard everything. You could be, I mean, heck, you could be a bailiff. You could be a court reporter. But the fact is, it's time for you to do the right thing. Yep. Um, and and I say that I realize I am, I'm I'm that person. You should do the right thing. Do the right thing, and look like I said leading into this segment. I hope this is what is the linchpin to blowing this whole thing up, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Tress, thank you. Coming mm-hmm. up next, grow your know with Kelly's greens and myself.
I hope you enjoyed this clip of today's Clay Edwards show. You can tune in live every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. on 103.9 FM WYAB in Central Mississippi. You can stream it worldwide and live at WYAB.com, the TuneIn app, or Alexa. Just search WYAB. And of course, you're listening now on a podcast, so you can just hit subscribe where you're at. We update daily right here on the Clay Edwards Show. And check out all things Clay Edwards at clayedwardsshow.com for shirts and more. Peace.